By the numbers, the line that America is a Christian nation has been true since the revolution, but not for long. A new study just out predicting Christians will be in the minority in a few short decades. What does that mean? The study comes from the Pew Research Center. They've been tracking religious identity and Christian involvement in church and politics for 50 years. Here's what they found. By 2070 at the latest, Christians will comprise only about 46% of the United States citizens. As of now, that number is about 64%. Times, they are changing. Of course, revival could sweep the country and undo all that data. But the opposite could also happen. It might come sooner than later. News like this might frighten you. What will life look like in a totally secular world? I don't know. But I do know this. Peter said perfect love casts out fear. Walking by faith in Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And this is a program called Royal Faith. There have been many kings and queens on the face of the earth, some better than others, some who were absolute tyrants, but even the best royal rulers pale in comparison to King Jesus. Well, in these next few minutes, we're going to look at two very bad examples of kings in the New Testament, the Herods. The first one tried to kill Jesus as a baby. And the other one did nothing when the Jewish leaders were seeking to crucify our Savior. But we will see how the Lord still sovereignly worked through these men to bring about his ultimate purpose of redemption for mankind. I think you'll be encouraged, so stay with me. The world has been talking a lot about Queen Elizabeth since her passing last week. And the more I look at her life, the more I see that she made it all about serving her people even while she served her king, Jesus. And that's exactly what author and journalist Catherine Butcher discovered as she researched the life of Queen Elizabeth. I asked Catherine to share the special story about the unique relationship Billy Graham had with Queen Elizabeth. Here's what she told me. Billy Graham, as you know, came to the UK to do crusades and was making the news. And people who've watched the the series, the the fictional series, The Crown, will have seen Billy Graham as part of that. Uh, And the Queen invited Billy Graham to preach at uh, one of her chapel services. And he said in his autobiography that she was obviously very interested in the Bible because it's a tradition when someone preaches in one of the royal chapels on an occasion when the Queen is present, then they're invited back for lunch. And the conversation is about the sermon. And the Queen has shown herself to be someone who's very knowledgeable about the Bible. But it's not just a head knowledge. This is someone, the Queen is someone who as a child, spent the first half an hour of every school week reading scripture. That was her first lesson of the week with her governess. Mm. And then her own mother was a subscriber to daily Bible reading notes, and she read Bible stories to her children and taught them to pray. And the Queen Mother's own parents were people who read the Bible for an hour a day to their children. So the Bible has been very much part of the Queen's life. And then when it came to the coronation, 
the first thing she was presented with was a Bible. The Church of Scotland it plays a part in the coronation ceremony mm-hmm. and, and she was presented with this Bible. And the words that were used was, this is the most valuable thing that the world affords, which is ironically because she's about to be presented with one of the largest diamonds in the world. But it's the Bible that is the most valuable thing this world affords. So it's it's very exciting to explore how her personal faith comes out uh, in these important points in her life. That's Catherine Butcher. She wrote the book, Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. After the program, I'd like to send you a copy or multiple copies of Our Faithful Queen for your gift to the ministry. This book is an informative and easy read that's full of colorful pictures, inspiring quotes, and remarkable stories about the Queen's faith in Jesus Christ. I think your faith will be strengthened as you see the Queen's faith played out in her life. And remember, you can't find this book on Amazon or at your local bookstore in North America. We have these books shipped directly to us from the United Kingdom. So after this program, why don't you call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Ask about getting multiple copies, but you can make your gift when you call. Or visit us online at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And while you're there, check out the blog we've posted called 10 Surprising Things the Queen Says About Jesus. I think you'll be encouraged by both. And now the choir of Westminster Abbey opens this haven today. Guide me, O thou great Redeemer.
thank you for joining me on a haven today called Royal Faith. I'm Charles Morris. And that was a hymn sung at the Queen's Diamond Jubilee by the choir of Westminster Abbey. Guide me, O thou great Redeemer. All earthly kingdoms come and go. That is an obvious truth. But it's also something that we surprisingly forget from time to time. The sudden death of Queen Elizabeth last week really brought that truth to the forefront yet again. She had been reigning for 70 years, celebrating her platinum jubilee just a few months ago. But last weekend, the news broke quickly that she had fallen ill and passed away. Whenever a beloved leader dies, it is a sad event, but it's also a time to reflect and to remember that no matter how invincible the powers and leaders of this world seem to be, all earthly reigns must come to an end. And throughout history, this truth has sustained the Lord's people, even in the midst of bad leadership, dictators, violent rulers, tyrannical kings. All of these will also come to an end. No one can reign forever. No one except King Jesus. We have a painful reminder when a good ruler dies. We wish they could continue. But it can be a tremendous source of comfort when faced with rulers that only seek to do harm to others. Their reign will end as well. And there are two kings in the Bible that help us understand this a little better. And as it so happens, they both were named Herod. The first Herod was a bad king who tried to kill Jesus as a baby. The second Herod refused to do anything about the injustice of Jesus' trial. He even tried to exalt himself to the Lord's throne. He was eventually brought to an end by God himself. The story of the first Herod can be found at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. It takes place shortly after the birth of Jesus in the town of Bethlehem, which is also called David's city. The humble entrance of the Son of God into the world the Incarnation sent news throughout the region, but more miraculously, it brought some magi from Mesopotamia to Israel in search of this newborn king. The story picks up in chapter 2. During the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they told him. Herod heard the news that a king had been born in Bethlehem, and that disturbed him, the scripture says. If a new king had been born, that meant his reign was coming to an end. Herod just couldn't have that, so he started searching. Where was the Messiah supposed to be born? Where was this newborn child? Herod was determined to bring Jesus to an end before Jesus could end his reign. He asked first the Magi to tell him where he was, but they didn't. Then he sent his soldiers throughout the land to put all the young boys to death, two years and younger, in and around Bethlehem, just to be sure he got Jesus. What he didn't know is that the Lord had already warned Joseph and Mary, Joseph in a dream, 
and they were already on their way to Egypt to avoid Herod's murderous plans. They waited in Egypt until Herod died, when the Lord told Joseph they could return home. What do we learn from King Herod, the one who tried to kill Jesus to save his own reign? We learn that prioritizing the earthly kingdoms we belong to can lead to violence. We don't like to think about that very much. Putting the earthly kingdom ahead of the Lord's kingdom can lead us to endorse or even to commit violence ourselves. Herod was determined to rescue, to save his reign, to preserve the power that he had over Israel. And it led him not just to want to kill Jesus, but to order the slaughter of hundreds of little boys all over the land. A heinous crime. Now, I'm not saying that if you take your patriotism too far, you're going to end up doing that. But here's what I am saying. We have to be very, very careful how much of our devotion and allegiance is given to the earthly kingdoms we belong to. Just like in Herod's reign, they will all come to an end. It doesn't matter if they seem invincible or unstoppable. Eventually, they all come to an end. Herod tried to kill Jesus, but Jesus outlasted him. And Jesus will outlast every ruler and every kingdom on this earth. Our allegiance must be to King Jesus above all else. And that's something the second Herod shows us. The second King Herod was ruling around the time of Jesus' crucifixion. He even examined Jesus, mainly because he was intrigued by him, but didn't do anything to help him. But King Herod's biblical claim to fame is a speech he gave that ended his life. The story is told in Acts 12. Herod had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they wanted him to make peace so they could continue living. They called a meeting. Herod was set to give a speech to address the people and it would turn out to be the final thing he ever said. Here's how Acts 12 tells the story. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, and I'm quoting the Bible here, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Herod did not give glory to the Lord. Instead, he tried to take glory for himself. He equated his own words with the words of God. He put so much value on his own status as king that he ended up essentially proclaiming that he himself was the Lord. And as the story in Acts 12 tells us, The Lord struck him down right then and there. His earthly reign came to an end abruptly. It was over before anyone knew what had happened. So what do we learn about this? The Lord doesn't strike kings down like that typically. Maybe this story was just a one-time deal. Maybe it just teaches us about blasphemy and how seriously we need to take the name of the Lord and his word. But it also teaches us about devotion. It challenges us once again, doesn't it? Where I live in the United States, politicians have a nasty habit of presenting themselves as the answer to every problem. 
when it's an election year, or even when it's not. You'll see supporters of this or that candidate, that hopeful, saying he or she is the chosen one or God's candidate. We can place so much hope, so much value on a particular leader, an earthly leader, that we end up saying things that we should only say to and about the Lord. Christ is the only one worthy of our highest devotion, no matter how much we like another leader. They are not worthy of absolute allegiance. Only Christ is. Herod thought he was worthy, and the Lord quickly showed him he was not. And the Lord showed all of us in the process that our earthly leaders are mere mortals. They cannot sustain us for eternity. We cannot place ultimate hope in the kingdoms of this world. That is a hard truth to swallow, because we have a tendency to do just that. The Herods remind us that Jesus will outlast every power and principality on earth. He outlasted the first Herod and its attempt to kill him. He outlasted the second Herod, still seated on his throne and reigning. He outlasted the Roman Empire. He will outlast the United States of America, Canada, Great Britain. Only Jesus will reign forever. And only Jesus is worthy of devotion. Only Jesus can say with full authority, my words are God's words, because Jesus is God in the flesh. He came to endure pain and suffering on our behalf so that we might be freed to love the Lord with all our hearts. We walk by faith. We devote ourselves to Christ. And we let our earthly allegiances dim in comparison to the glorious King we have in Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we've been looking at two Herods, two bad kings. We've been also looking at King Jesus and how certainly he wasn't just a good monarch like the late Queen Elizabeth II, but he is also the King of Kings. He came to this earth took on flesh, died on the cross, was resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, and yet we can expectantly await his return. A time when the King of Kings will reign forever and ever, even as he's reigning now on his throne in heaven. But we will be with him, and we will see him as he is. Lord be with us, guide us, guard us, and we pray this now because of our faith, saving faith, in Jesus Christ, our Lord of Lords. Amen.
Our music director thought this would be the perfect way to end this program. And I have to say, I agree with Susanna Scott, Handel's Messiah, and its most well-known song, the Hallelujah Chorus. It just makes me want to stand and worship the Lord here on this haven today and our program called Royal Faith. For decades, Queen Elizabeth shared about her faith in Christ during her annual Christmas broadcasts on the BBC. This year will be a sobering year for those who looked forward to those intimate moments with the Queen during the holidays. But in some ways, she will be doing one last broadcast about her faith on Monday at her funeral. So far, every service has featured scripture and hymns that talk about Christ's death and resurrection. And much of this was picked up by her. So as you read this special book that we had shipped from the UK for you to enjoy, I know you'll be surprised at her boldness to speak openly about Jesus. And she did that for decades. It's called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. I think you'll find it encouraging that this well-known world figure bowed her knee to the King of Kings. So call us right now. Our number to call for a copy or multiple copies of the book is 865-HAVEN. 865-HAVEN. Check out some of the sample pages from A Faithful Queen on our website and see for yourself how the book is laid out almost like a magazine with pictures. And and then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And just before we go, I can't believe it's the middle of September. And if you're like me, we just got a paycheck. I'd like to ask you to pray about becoming a Haven partner. That's someone who prays regularly and gives automatically monthly to help us keep sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And if you do call us and sign up, we'd like to include a brick of a study Bible if you join today. Ask about that when you call or read more at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Finishing a marathon is an incredible achievement, but imagine running your race up and down a 14,000-foot-tall mountain. Believe it or not, the Pikes Peak Marathon happens every year in Colorado Springs. If you're like me, you're thinking, I could never do that. But guess what? You're already running a marathon that's harder and longer than that one. The Christian life is a long-distance race. The only question is how you run it. 1 Corinthians 9.24 tells us, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So how's your race going today? Are you tired? Need a little encouragement? Anchor Devotional can help encourage you with God's Word daily. Try it out at GetAnchored.com.